Hey, this is God's comic, Brad Stein, and you're listening to Joe Taylor on Faith's Edge. Please listen or you're going to hell. I knew this day was going to come where you would sit across the table from people like Kesha, and I was just preparing you and developing your character to catch up to the calling that I have on your life. And if you hadn't been through those struggles, you're not sure you'd be sitting at that table. Oh my gosh, the pressure, the, the pressure. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, if you don't listen to, sh- to the show according to uh, Brad's, Brad's time, you're going to hell. <laughs> well, thank you, Mr. Stein, Mr. Brad Stein, for the introduction. Uh, Brad is an amazing Christian comedian, hands down one of the funniest guys I know. If you get a chance to uh, go see Brad Stein live or pick up one of his uh, CDs or DVDs, uh, absolutely do that, Brad Stein. <laughs> Thank you, Brad, for the introduction. <laughs> Hi, welcome to the 70th episode of On Faith's Edge. My name is Joe Taylor, recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations about God and living a life of faith in Jesus Christ. I still can't get over Brad's introduction. That's uh, that's hilarious. Wow, I cannot wait until you uh, until you hear today's guest, Uh she is singer-songwriter Karen Hornsby. Uh, since her appearance on ABC's Rising Star, she has garnered a lot of attention. Uh, the likes of Keisha, uh, Brad Paisley, Ludacris, Lincoln Brewster, Josh Groban ha- have been attracted to Karen's authentic, soulful music and her incredible story, and it is absolutely incredible. Karen joins us to talk about her new self-titled album, available on Amazon.com, and uh, you'll hear a sample of her song, It's Me, from that project. We'll also hear about her experience on ABC's Rising Star and how the superstars on the show connected with her story, how superstar Kesha poured herself into Karen and opened up about her own personal struggles. Brad Paisley invited Karen to uh, perform with him. He was so impressed with her. Uh, we talk about her survival of a fiery auto accident and a state trooper's miraculous arrival on the scene and her uh, her husband Todd's and her daughter Gabby's fight against cancer. She has just an incredible story of courage and fight and just uh, the tenaciousness that this woman has is, is absolutely unbelievable. She's an impressive woman. Karen uh, Hornsby is an impressive woman. So let's get right to it. Wow. Wow. Karen, you have a lot going on. Your experience on rising star, a new album, speaking engagements. Mm -hmm. You recently Mm -hmm. worked with uh, Brad Paisley and Lincoln Brewster and you just know, right? closed on a new home. Congratulations. <laughs> I did. Yes, I know. It's such a great season right now. Thank you so very much. Yeah, it's been a busy season, but I'm so enjoying myself. So in the uh in the whole scope of things from uh from Rising Star to to um your speaking engagements and comparing all that to closing a house, which is uh which is painless, <laughs> most painless. <laughs> the most painless. Oh my gosh. They're so opposite in their, their, their pains. I don't even know if I could compare them. <laughs> I'd say probably closing house. <laughs> just before we uh, hit the record button here, she was, she was telling me about that, how she just closed on a house and she's surrounded yeah. by boxes. And any of us who have bought yes, a house knows what that experience is like. So with, with like, <laughs> so, so we, we know what the you're going through. The struggle's real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. So what's thank going on with you? Sympathy. What's going on with you? You 
know, it, there's a, there's a, a, a lot of things going on. And I'm, as I've already said so many times, I hate to use the word so much, but it's exciting, exciting times to see what God's favor has brought to me and my family. You know, it's been hardships for a very long time for us, and I'm sure we'll probably get into that. Um, and so it's good to be stepping into a season of where it seems like favor uh, for my husband and my, my little family. And so, uh, as you've already said, you know, since being on Rising Star uh, and having my debut album, you know, uh, and people hearing my story is definitely sparked of interest in people because as you you know, and I'm sure the people that are listening, uh, everybody's got struggles and things that they're going through. And when they hear our story of how God sustained us through it, um, they're hungry to hear it because I know what I've been like before, uh, sitting there in that hospital room, feeling lost, alone, and and I hear the right preacher come on, or I'll hear the right song come on, or a friend to send a, a, a message uh, via text or Facebook, and it's just the right word at the right time. And that's what I'm hoping that my ministry is to a lot of people, um, and that's that's a lot of my goal and my mission. And what drives me is is um, God always surrounded me with some incredible people during our season of struggle, and He helped me to find what what seems to be my anthem and what seems to be really my message is that there is victory to be found in the midst of suffering, and um, that's really our message. You know, a lot of times we want to sit around and wait for God to answer the prayer that we want it. Uh, on how we want him to pray or answer, I should say. And I, I have learned a lot through the last 11 years that it's not necessarily exactly what we think it's going to turn out to be or how we would like it to turn out to be, but we can still have that victory in the midst of the suffering. You know, I don't want to get too far ahead, but um, so yeah, it's exciting times for us. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just waiting for, see what God has next. We, you have, you have absolutely experienced uh uh, from the the depths of tragedy to the pinnacle of, uh, and still yeah. working on the pinnacle of success, I guess. Yeah. And we're gonna we'd like yeah. to spend some time talking about Rising Star. We'll spend some time talking yeah. about your new project. Uh, we'll spend some mm-hmm. time talking about uh, uh, your, like I said, your new project, and and also some of the tragedy uh, that you've been yeah. through. And uh, talk yeah. and a little later, we'll talk a little bit about your faith. But can we talk about Rising yeah. Star? Absolutely, for uh, sure. It, Every, Five times there. It, what a blast it had to be. Everyone, <laughs> I, I'll tell you, Karen, everyone talks about your rendition of Natural Woman and as great as it was and as moving and as, as, as tremendous as it was, uh, your your uh, rendition of To Love You More, that performance was oh. a, an, an absolute powerful display oh. of raw emotion and just pure talent. Yeah. Crazy good. <laughs> Oh, you're being super kind. Well, thank you so much. It was one of the most nerve-wracking moments of my entire life. I truly can say I have never been more nervous in all of my life. Uh, singing to a wall, um, which is what we had to do, you know, on the the first few shows. And for those for those listening that don't quite know what Rising Star was, it's it, you know it's. Uh, another version of The Voice or American Idol. And so uh, the same person who produced American Idol, which was Kim Ward, produced our show as well. And we had to, we had to start off the show by singing to a wall. So going from the worship scene where you kind of feed off of people's faces and expressions and to singing to a wall and you're singing Celine Dion's song and you're, you got all these emotions of your story that you just listened to before you started singing. It was one of the hardest 
hardest things that I've ever done. And you're right. It was such raw emotion. And I have never been more happy to hear the hit the last note in all my life as I was for that particular performance. But it was fun. Not only were you moved by it, obviously, but your husband mm-hmm. was just off <sighs> the charts, man. I know. I know. It was, And, you know, it's so interesting how uh, the whole team told everybody, the family, you know, they have all the family come back to the green room before the show starts and they're like, hey, make sure you do not go on the stage. You know, make sure that you you just cheer from where you are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I'm sitting there and Josh Groban is in my, I see him in my periphery and I'm like, is that Todd? Is Todd coming? And the next thing I know, my husband's over there hugging me and I was all freaking like, oh my God, you're not supposed to be on the stage right now. But anyway, so it all worked out. They were like, yes, go hugger. Because as you said, it was such, it was truly emotional. It was after, you know, watching our story and then, you know, me pushing through. And I think you probably heard Brad Paisley say that at the very end, it was amazing to hear the people cheer um, that wanted me to go through to the next level that, uh, you know, kind of immediately fell in love with our story and, and I guess my raw emotion. And it was just, it was fitting. Why did, why did you want to do the show? It's a very good question. Um, you know, when I, when I put out my album, my, my debut album, Karen Hornsby, I needed to start promoting it. And I'm not with a record label and I've really tried to do everything on my own without having to go that route. And one of my friends, um, said, Hey, I just saw an, uh, an advertisement on ABC that they've got this new show coming out called rising star. You should try to audition for it. And I've never auditioned for any of those shows before. Cause they're just so hard. You know I mean? It's thousands of people that audition for these shows, you know, and it's the right place, right time a lot of times. And so, but I was very interested in just to see what they thought about me and my vocals and, and just to try and just kind of see what happened. And so I did, I bought a, a ticket to Chicago at one of the auditions that they had and the audition felt great. And next thing you know, they called me back to said, Hey, Mrs. Hornsby a month later, um, cause they went to eight different cities and they said, Hey, Ms. you know, Ms. Hornsby would like for you to come back and do a callback audition. And I was like beyond the moon that they had just even called me back for the callback audition, which was only 70 acts of, out of thousands of acts. Wow. So we had to do that callback audition and we were in LA for those couple of days. And at the end of that couple of days, they called the 30 acts back that they wanted to actually be on the show. And they called me at midnight, uh, when in, in the hotel room and they said, Hey, Ms. Hornsby, we're kind of let you know you're in our top 30. Congratulations. And I just started crying and weeping. I'm like, Oh my God, this is so surreal. It's crazy. And so you know, it's I, I, I'm here in Jacksonville, Florida, which is completely on the opposite side of the coast, and so uh, on the other coast. And so I called my family. It was three in the morning over here, <laughs> and I said, "Hey, honey, looks like we're gonna have to buy a ticket to L.A." I got on the show, and so it was so exciting. It was truly, truly exciting. Taking taking from the beginning when you first auditioned mm-hmm. uh, to mm-hmm. your entire experience on the show. What was your what was your most ex- interesting moment or your, your most uh, interesting experience? You know that, gosh, there's so many of it, but I have to stick with some of the most aha moments that I had. You know, um, the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. And I knew if God had appointed me to be there for that time, that he was going to do something great. Um, and I just wanted to be a willing vessel and be open to hear what he had to say. And so one of the most amazing moments that I had while I was on the show, but you know, 
you know, of course, singing and being around the, the, the most amazing entertainers in the world, uh, just being in the entertainment capital of the world, for that matter, was super intimidating. But one of the most amazing moments I had was to see the response uh, by the experts and a lot of the quote unquote celebrities that were there in their response to our story, because you see these celebrities of people who have all got it together. Um, and you don't ever see their struggles and you think their life is perfect, really, you know, it's all perception. And the next thing, you know, once they hear my story, it seemed to automatically break a wall down where they immediately connected with me in ways that were different than the way they connected with the other artists, um, that were on the show. Uh, not that it was me or anything else. It was just the story. Um, and you find out real quick, like that it doesn't matter what your status is in life. Everybody has struggle and, um, and how God can use the smallest of individuals. Cause I am, I am so small compared to the world of so many of the people that were out there, how you can use the smallest of people, the smallest of stories to move mountains in some people's lives. You know, while I was out there, as I said earlier, I was super intimidated by the amount of talent and skills that uh, are, that exist in LA. And I actually read on Facebook that if you ever think you're too small to make a difference, try sleeping with a mosquito in the room. And I was like, Oh my God, that is, that is so amazing. And it was so timely, so perfect because it's exactly what I felt like. I felt so small. I'm like, I cannot make a difference to these people here. I mean, why am I here? I mean, you, you do, you just keep asking yourself this question. I have thousands of people. How did I become one of the 30 acts that they pick for this? And I ran across that. Um, and it's so good. I'll say it again. If you think you're too small to make a difference, try sleeping with a mosquito in the room. And, you know, I, to, I know this sounds silly, but I was like, that's what I want to be. I want to be the mosquito. You know, I want to, I want to make a difference and I want people to not see me, but of course see see God through our story. And um, so that was one of the most amazing moments that I had there that no matter what your status, no matter what your calling is in life, God puts you here for a purpose to accomplish something. Um, And as long as you're a willing vessel, he can use you in the most crazy, surreal, amazing places. So it was that was one of my best moments, and you know, there's several other little moments, and we may be able to get into it. But uh, so yeah, that was one of the biggest aha moments for me while I was on the show. You've really been blessed uh, through this, um, through this show, and through the exposure uh, mm-hmm. to the. Uh, you, you've been blessed to be uh, to be around some of the biggest biggest stars in music. Uh, everybody sure. from um, Brad Paisley. Keisha, uh, and mm-hmm. just, just down the line, uh, what is mm-hmm. some of the best advice you've received since, uh, since you've began this journey? The night that I was eliminated from the show, Josh Groban, um, as you know, was the host of the show and he grabs me by the shoulders and it was really interesting how every one of them did this. He grabbed me by the shoulders and he says, Karen, make sure you surround yourself with the people that understand your vision and the kind of artist you want to be. Then two weeks or the, the, that night, um, my show aired on a Sunday night. And that night, Kesha's assistant 
sent me an email and texted me and said, hey, Kesha said she does not want you to leave L.A. until she speaks to you. Um, and at that moment, the only conversations we had really had with the experts was when they were mentoring us. So it was kind of all business at that moment. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like we could talk personal talk or or any or just make small talk. It was it was about the show. We were always had a camera in our face. So it was super business the whole time. And so I was I was quite taken that she wanted to talk to me. And so she rearranged her schedule. Uh, for that Monday so that she could, we shut down a restaurant so she could sit down for two and a half hours and poured herself into me. And I was absolutely in shock because I, I, I really didn't think that Kesha would take to me as she did because our lives are so different. Um, and that was another aha moment that I had. It was like God saying, you leave that business to me. And you just be a willing vessel and let me take care of the rest, you know. So so when she sat down and she for two and a half hours just talked and cried and and just bawled and said how much of an inspiration my story was to her. Again, this whole my I had a mind movie that just happened at that moment that kind of took me all the way back to 2005 when all hell seemed to assail against my family. And I really believe, Joe, at that moment that God was showing me, saying, Karen, all the way back to 2005, when all things just started coming against you, I was preparing you for this moment. I knew this day was going to come where you would sit across the table from people like Kesha, and I was just preparing you and developing your character to catch up to the calling that I have on your life. And if you hadn't been through those struggles, I'm not sure you'd be sitting at that table. And so it was another crazy aha moment for me because I would have never guessed Kesha would be sitting across the table from me crying to me and come to find out four months later is when she filed that lawsuit against her, her producer. And so, I mean, she didn't give me details at the time, but it all started making sense of why she was so torn and so upset and goes to what I was saying earlier. You think they've got their life together and you think everything's great. Well, that's just on the surface, and that's only what TV shows you as their lives. But, and then, you know, just being uh, being able to be with Kesha and her again pouring into me. Make sure, Karen, you please surround yourself with the people that understand your vision and the kind of artist you want to be. And then two weeks after that, I'm not on the show anymore. But Brad Paisley calls me. He's like, "Hey, Karen, I'm going to be in Florida. You want to come hang out?" And I was like, "Sure. Let me let me check my schedule. I guess." Of course, you know, it's like, how do you respond to that? Of course. So uh, I really honestly thought he just wanted to meet my little girl Um, at the show. He wanted to meet my little girl at the last show that I performed on. But because of timing, because it's a live show, it never it never worked out for him to meet my little girl. So I really thought that that's what it was because he asked me, can you bring your little girl? And so I said, yeah, absolutely. So um, we got there and I met his tour manager and he gave me these all access tickets and stuff. And I took my little girl back there. And the next thing I know, Brad, Brad walks out and he walks out with his two little boys. And as you know, he's super private with his little boys. And so when he was walking out with his little boys, he walked his little boy straight to my little girl and he wanted to introduce, I'm getting teary. I think about it again. He wanted to introduce his two little boys to, to my little girl. And I got to witness and watch Brad Paisley's two little boys play with my little girl. 
it was one of the most amazing moments. And one, once again, you know, Brad just poured himself into me to, to again, just reiterate, you know, Karen, make sure you surround yourself with the kind of, uh, the people that understand your, your vision and, and the kind of artist that you want to be. And I'll, I'm so appreciative of Brad taking the time to do that and took us out for dinner and fed us and just kept us for the longest time and even helped connect with my manager. So he was, it's a super amazing individual. So, um, so that's some of the best, best, best advice that I have gotten from them is to, to not get in a big hurry and just to make sure you surround yourself with the people that understand your vision. Your story, Karen, has had an impact on, on every viewer uh, of a rising star, uh, but it, it impacted people on a personal level. Uh, Kesha yeah, and Brad right. Paisley and yeah. Josh Groban, mm-hmm. all these people mm-hmm. were, were deeply affected by your story and deeply touched by your story. Mm-hmm. Take us through yeah. your story. Let's talk about the, let's yeah. talk about the car accident. Let's talk about, uh, yeah. the illness of your, uh, of your, of your daughter and of your, and of your husband mm-hmm. and, and the strength yeah. that, that brought you through that. And then after, after you tell the story, we're going to, we're going to talk about, about your, uh, your new project, your self-titled project, sure. uh, your yeah. album. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It starts way back when I was 19, um, when I, my car, I, I ran into the back end of a log trailer and immediately when I hit the back end of the log trailer, my car caught on fire and people, you know, came to the car to try to get me out of the car, but it was, it, 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 they were in fear of their own life. So they just ran away and I'm knocked unconscious, uh, while I was in the car, didn't know what was going on. Um, the next thing I know, I, I just, kind of wake up and I see the smoke just um, barreling out of the window of the car on the driver's side and I kind of go back out of it. The next thing I hear some screaming in my ear, we got to get out, we got to get out. And then I throw my left arm around um, this gentleman that I've obviously never met before. And he crawls in the car with me because he can't quite get me out. And now my car is engulfed in flames at this point. But he still crawls in the car with me, drags me out of the car, runs as hard as he could across the street with me. And right when he lays me down on the other side of the, the highway, my car explodes. Oh, my gosh. And um, tire and debris and everything is moving. Matter of fact, he had to pick me back up off the, 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 the ground that they had me um, on and, and move me further down the road because debris was just going everywhere. Um. We uh, you get to the hospital, and he is a state trooper um, that had uh, crawled in the car and saved, crawled in the car with me and saved my life. He comes by the hospital and just introduces himself, and and obviously my parents at that time are just you know can't stop telling him how much they appreciate him and his selfless act of uh, saving my life. And they released me from the hospital, and the only thing that happened to me was even though I was completely covered in flames, the not the first hair on my head was singed. The only thing that happened to me is I crushed my left hand. Um, and so I, uh, I, you know, the hospital released me that day because that was the only uh, injury that I had sustained. And um, they said I should, should have just died from the carbon dioxide that I inhaled. But God saw saw it differently. So they released me from the hospital, and this is an interesting story. Um, I go home, and the state trooper came by to visit me that had saved my life. 
and um, his name was Milton Brown. And he said, um, Mr. and Mrs. Gilly, I just wanted to come by and visit Karen again today. And I'd like to share something with you if I could. And my mom and dad, um, um, Christ followers as well, uh, you know, I, I couldn't help it. I was, I grew up in an Assembly of God church and they're huge in faith. And so they welcomed him in and he sat down and he knelt down beside me. He says, hey, Karen, I got to tell you a story. I'm 19 years old at this time. I'm still trying to figure life out myself, you know. And he says, I want you to know that I was not called to your accident. He says, I got to tell you that I was on my way um, to a friend's house. I was full in full uniform and, and was in my car, but I was not on duty. And he says, I was going by to visit my friend that I had promised that I was going to visit for a very long time now. And when I drove by his house, he always parked his car in the same place. And I seen that his car went there. So I knew he went home. He says, so I just drove on by and right over the hill is when I saw flames. And then that's when somebody ran to me and said, hey, there's somebody in that car and we can't get her out. And he says, and that's when I got the fire extinguisher to try to put fire out from around you and crawled in with you. He says, but the interesting part is, is this morning, I called that friend up to tell him that I was coming by to visit him. And he kind of sat still and silent on the phone. And he says, and when, when I told him that I had drove by, but I didn't see his car there, he kind of froze and said, Milton, for some reason, I don't know why, but yesterday something told me to park my car behind my house. He says, so I was home, but for some reason, I felt like parking my car behind the house. And he says, and so, and tears started swelling in my eyes and in Milton's eyes. And my mama was over there. She was just bawling because we knew immediately that was God that made him park that car behind his house because he knew that I was going to need him. Um, Because if, if, if not, I don't know if I'd have made it that day if he'd have parked his car in, in the front and Milton would have stopped. I don't know that I'd have made it because everybody else ran for their lives. He, and he ended up having to bend the car door in half to even try to crawl in there to get with me. And it was insane. But so that is that, that, um, you know, that story. And that happened in 97. Um, and obviously that was quite a uh, life changing moment for me at age 19. And then in, two, in 1999, I met my husband, married my husband, and uh, we've been married now for 17 years. And so I met him, married him, and uh, about three, four years after we got married, we decided to try to have children, and we were told we wouldn't to be able to have children. And we just prayed, and a, mir- a miracle occurred where uh, I was able to conceive, and we uh, got pregnant in 2002, October of 2002, and Unfortunately, <laughs> the day after Christmas in 2002, my husband was serving in the Army National Guard, and the Army National Guard called my husband up and said, Hey, Mr. Hornsby, I'm sorry to tell you, but they've called us to come to Iraq. We're like, What? Oh. You're the National Guard? The National Guard doesn't get called to active duty, do they? Well, unfortunately, um, my husband's uh, unit did. They got called. They went. My husband's unit went right behind the Marines into Iraq. And um, I ended up giving birth to our little girl um, in May of 2003 and while he was still overseas. And um, two weeks after she was born, this is probably part you didn't even read because it's, it, it's just crazy 
so much of our story. But two weeks after Gabby was born, she spit up over uh, two ounces of blood, had to rush her to the emergency room, found out she was diagnosed with caloric stenosis. They ended up saying, I think we're going to have to do surgery and put a stent in her pylorus. Again, the Lord worked a miracle, and the surgeon walked out and said, you know what, Mrs. Hornsby, we went in to put the pylorus in, and we found out she does not have pyloric stenosis, so she's good to go. I just have to believe the Lord healed her. Wow. Um, And then my husband gets home when Gabby is eight months old, and uh, life seems to be great and wonderful, and it is. I mean, we finally seem to have some normalcy (laughs) in our little lives. And uh, little did we know, though, in June of 2005, um, my husband um, was diagnosed with uh, cancer, testicular cancer. And they caught it in an early stage and they performed surgery and thought, they said, you know what, I think um, I think he's going to be fine. We're not going to do chemotherapy at this time. And so we were like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? That was insane. And then little did we know that four months later, our precious, amazing miracle, Gabby, at two and a half years old, would be diagnosed with optic glioma, which is brain cancer wrapped around our optic nerves. Oh, no. Uh, needless to say that our, our world was completely shattered, you know, at that point. And with everything that had occurred up to that point, you're just shaking your head saying, God, this is ridiculous. At this point, you're like, you laugh or cry. Right. It was insane. Um, can somebody Gabby, else have a turn, God? <laughs> can somebody else? Can, yeah. I mean, you said you wouldn't put more on us, but I think you wow. had me confused with someone else. I'm not bending. I feel like I'm breaking. You, you know, I've heard somebody say, God, I'm bending, but I, we literally felt like we were breaking. And, and so, however, Gabby ended up uh, having surgery. And unfortunately, three days after Gabby had her first brain surgery, when she was diagnosed in October of 2005, she went blind. She uh, could see 2020. She woke up the next day and she was completely blind. For two weeks solid, Gabby cried, Mommy, please turn the lights on. And it was just hell. That's the only way to describe describe Mm. it. And your child can see your face one day, and they literally wake up, and the next day their whole world's black. Um, Many, many tears, much frustration, anger, sadness, confusion, all of those things. Um, Gabby... Um, adjusted. She had a year of chemotherapy and wouldn't you know it that my husband, right when my daughter is wrapping up her uh, last round of chemotherapy, my husband gets symptomatic again and his cancer actually spread to his lymph nodes. So my daughter is now finishing her chemotherapy. Now my husband has just been told again that his cancer has spread to his lymph nodes. And, um, at that point, my husband actually had himself to go on chemotherapy for nine weeks, and it was painful for him, very painful. It, and it's amazing the different emotions, too, that you have as a wife trying to care for your husband who's fighting for his life, and as a mother, mm-hmm. care for your child who's fighting for their life. And while my husband is on chemotherapy, my daughter's re-diagnosed with cancer again. Then my daughter has to start her second round of chemotherapy. And during that season, my husband and my daughter were both on chemotherapy, fighting for their lives. Enough already. And when, 
enough, enough. I mean, it's to the point you're saying, God, I need a token. I need something to keep holding on because I am literally breaking. I'm hanging on by thread. Depression was trying to set into my heart and I was mad. I was confused. I was frustrated, hurt. There were times I would feel numb. I feel like I didn't even have any feeling. You know, I used to be one of those that would judge people that could take their lives. And I have to be very careful with what I'm about to say, but I just want to express the depths of desperation that I had personally reached, that you reach a point at times you feel like the only way to relieve this pain is one way. And those thoughts will enter your mind. But thank you, Lord. God surrounded me with people and gave me roots that knew God knew what he was doing. It was painful and it was hurtful, but God had a greater plan that I can't understand and that I I need to not try to understand it because my brain is just not capable. I'm not capable of understanding why God would take my daughter's sight and why God would not let her see mommy's face or daddy's face again, or even this beautiful world he created. So um, just to fast forward a lot, my daughter has ultimately uh, have to, had, has had to have five rounds of chemotherapy because the tumor just kept coming back. Uh, proton beam radiation, two major brain surgeries, followed by three strokes. Oh, no. And it has caused her quality of life to be severely poor. She is now blind unable to speak and has very limited mobility. Now, my husband's story is a bit more joyful. He's been in eight years of remission since his chemotherapy. He has been great. You know, sad to say my daughter's story is not quite the same. Now, for the last six years, uh, the tumor has been stable and it's not been growing. So what we have had to fight now are the side effects of all the treatments that we've had to give her to help her stay alive. Um, because we, we did get that office visit, unfortunately, Joe, where the doctor says, hey, you know, unfortunately, we have to give you bad news. And it's that we're going to keep your daughter stable and as comfortable as we can until something comes along to kill this tumor. But she's dying. Mm. And we're not sure she's going to make it. And so, you know, it kind of rolls in to what you said you wanted to, to talk about next, which is my my debut album. I've never, ever aspired to be a songwriter, ever. But when the doctor tells you that your daughter's probably not going to make it and your back's against the wall and everybody's done everything that they can, um, I learned really quick that um, God likes to work when nothing else will. Uh And so I sat down at a baby grand piano at the Ronald McDonald House in Jacksonville, Florida where we just had left that doctor's visit where he told us that she wasn't going to make it. And I have said, I need you Lord many times before, but I never meant it at the level that I meant it when I sat down at that baby grand piano and wrote my very first song I've ever written. And it's called, I need you Lord. It was absolutely written from raw emotion, complete despair. Um, hopelessness, all of those things. I felt like my heart had been ripped out of my chest and thrown into a meat grinder. Um, My husband's crying. I'm crying. And I wrote that song. 
and um, literally thought the song was just my cry because I'm, you know, I love to sing and music is my life. And I really just thought it was just my way of trying to, you know, just talk to God. (laughs) And um, I ended up putting it away in my heart and my mind and later on presented it to someone. And the next thing you know, I have this debut album. Mm. How long has the album been out, Karen? It's been out actually three years, three years. but it, again, you, yeah, it's actually been out for three years. And I, I, you know, I immediately when I released it, it was when I started the whole rising star thing and it has time to get on rising star months pass by and then you're on rising star and then you got the aftermath. And then last year I had to put everything on hold because my daughter ended up needing to have surgery again. Um, so I needed to, to, you know, to be the caretaker to her that I needed to be. Matter of fact, ended up having to walk away from my teaching career as well, um, uh, just to be able to take care of her. So, um, so it's, you know, that that's the biggest reason why it's been out for so long, three years, and just now really kind of getting some some push to it because of all of those things. But yeah. So what can your what can Karen Hornsby fans expect from this from this project? You know, uh, uh, you know, we, I hate to say it again, but a lot of raw emotion. You hit the nail on the head when you said that earlier. It's uh, a, an album that is absolutely written from moments where, um, where I wrote, "I need you, Lord," and I feel like all my hope is gone, and and my back is against the wall, and I know there's only one person that can bring me through, and it is God. Then I also have songs like All Things Are Possible, where I'm really mad at the enemy, and I and, uh, just want to remind the enemy that in the end we win um, to victory. To Amen. There's a country music genre that I have on there called Let Go and Let God, because as you can tell from my southern accent, I have a little country in me as well. <laughs> uh, so my producer looked at me and he says, Karen, you cannot talk like that and not have a country song on your album. <laughs> So uh, anyway, so I ended up writing a song uh, called Let Go and Let God, which is a super fun country genre song. Um, And then you've got songs like It's Okay, where it's very, very vulnerable song. Uh, It was very hard for me to kind of be that vulnerable and that open with some of the lyrics that I have on It's Okay, uh, because I talk about being frustrated and prayers never changing um, and just feeling like they're never answered. Um, so that, you know, there's a lot of different emotions you definitely pick up from my, my project. And, you know, once people do hear the story behind every song too, uh, it kind of takes the whole song to another level. And it's also got songs like use me, um, because I believe that everybody's stories for a purpose. Everybody's got a story. I mean, you, you've, you interview several, several people. I mean, gosh, I can't imagine the amount of people that you've interviewed and every one of them's got a story. But to me, what's important is what's God teaching you through that story. What is God trying to show you that he can tell others? Because I don't believe your story is always just for you. I believe it's for everyone. Um, and so that song, Use Me, is saying, okay, God, I'm your willing vessel. Just use this story in every way that you you meant it to be used. So did you did you write every song on this album? I did. Mm-hmm. No All kidding. Of them. Wow. Yeah. So this is yeah. 100% pure Karen Hornsby. 100% pure Karen <laughs> Very cool. Very you cool. Like it. <laughs> so what is your, yeah. what is your favorite song from the project? Woo! Come on. Depends on what day you ask me that Yeah, question. I know. It's like asking you what, what, you know, what's your favorite yeah, food or exactly. whatever. Exactly. 
You know what? For me personally, my favorite song is going to be It's Me. Um, The reason why It's Me is because it's the lesson, I think, that God taught me, uh, the biggest lesson God taught me through our struggle. That, um, And you'd have to listen to It's Me to understand why that is my favorite song, but it's a song about my little girl. And one of the most beautiful things that God has taught me and painted for me through this whole journey. And we're still going through it. I mean, we are still, we're still in the heart of this thing. We still daily struggle. Um, but one of the the things that God taught me is being that my daughter is blind. It's amazing to see the trust that she has for mommy and daddy. Um, I can take her by the hand and she knows it's my hand. I can stop and she stops. I can I can call her name and she knows my voice in a, in a room of a million people. And one day I was walking in town with her and in the middle of me praying, saying, God, if you don't show me something, I feel like I'm going to go insane. God showed me how much my daughter trusted me and just, I feel like he said, pay attention to your little girl. And I did. And I noticed those things that I had already mentioned about how she knows my hand, she knows my voice. Um, she, she stops, she goes when I go. Um, and I believe at that moment when I paid attention to that, I feel like God just say, I just want you to know me, Karen, like she knows you. And it was, it just wrecked my world, completely wrecked my world. And he's like, Karen, you know, I want you to know when I'm in the room, like she does. I want you to stop when I say stop. I want you to go when I say go. I want you to, to know me. And so at the beginning of that song, that song just talks about how I can take her by the hand and she knows it's me, my voice to guide her way, my eyes to guide her feet. She knows me. And then in the the next verse of the song, I turn into being God. Can I take you by the hand and you know it's me, my voice to guide your way and my eyes to guide your feet. Do you know me? So the only way we can know or trust anyone is to know them. Let's take a minute. Let's take a minute and listen to It's Me by Karen Hornsby. She knows me. She trusts that I will be there to the end. Her constant in a world she can't understand. I'll chase away. Talk about the emotion. Jeez, old Pete. Yeah, it's crazy. Very cool. It's crazy. Very cool. Karen, can we talk a little bit about your faith and how and how, how you live yeah. out your belief in God? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I am I have to say I'm very privileged to to be raised in a home that I got to watch um my mom and dad live uh, a faithful life before me i would walk in from school and see my dad sit on the recliner with his bible open in his lap and my mom the same way um her being in her prayer closet for hours on the end just praying 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 and so i'm, I'm very blessed to have watched that and seen um 
God do miraculous things while I was growing up. But there there comes a moment where you have to be the one <laughs> in the prayer closet and you can't ride the coattails of mommy and daddy forever, right? Mm-hmm. Or even your pastor or your friends. It comes a moment where we have to be like David and we have to learn the act of encouraging ourselves and um, and saying, oh God, okay, God, it's, it's me and you. Nothing, nothing. And even to this day, as I sit on this phone, there's definitely days I just sit and I just shake my head saying, God, I don't get it. I can't understand or see any good that could come out of this situation. But as I said earlier, and one of the things that I hold on to the most when I when I find myself in those moments and I'm trying to figure it out when I shouldn't, but I'm I'm human, right? I can't help it. It just happens without me thinking about it, you know? Mm-hmm. I remember what I said to you early and I keep holding on to this and I would hope that your your listeners uh hear and remember this. Anytime that you're going through something in a struggle, it is nothing but God developing your character to catch up to your calling. Everybody that is breathing air has a purpose. And he put us on earth to accomplish some great things. And just like with Paul and just like with Joseph, there's some character development that takes place to prepare us for those amazing things that God put us on this earth to accomplish. And I've had to get perspective and it's a daily, it's a journey. And my husband says it all the time, you know, it's not a destiny, but it's a journey. Um, where as we're walking through this journey, we have to realize all of these struggles that happen instead of saying, Oh my gosh, another one, God, another one, God, another one, God saying, okay, here's God setting me up for something great right now. This is only coming because God is doing more character development in my life. And he is setting me up for a Kesha moment when I'm sitting across the table from her. He's setting me up for greatness. Isn't it funny how we can best is yet to come. Isn't it funny how we can look back and see God's fingerprints all Uh over our lives. But sometimes in the moment, it's so hard Mm -hmm. to see that God is orchestrating this. Uh, moment after so moment, hard. why did this happen? Why did that yeah. happen? And then before yeah. you know it, you're sitting across the table uh-huh. uh, from a a superstar who is pouring yeah. her heart out to you. Exactly. And, see, and, and in exactly. seeking God, seeking God yes. from you. Wow. Incredible. It's incredible. amazing. It's absolutely incredible. <laughs> absolutely incredible. And you know, one of the greatest things too, that I always say to people, because we're human and we are weak. The one of the greatest things that I have learned as well, and this is another thing that I would encourage anybody that's going through a struggle, and it's kind of funny, even Brad Paisley and Kish and all of them were saying this, surround yourself with the right people that can be your errands and lift you up when you're going through a hard time. Because one of the most precious things I had was the people that God surrounded me with in every season of my life. And you're right. And that's why I said when I was sitting across the table from Kesha, I had this mind movie. All those times I said, why, Lord? Why, Lord? Why, Lord? I literally felt like it was God saying at that moment, Karen, I knew back in 2005 when all hell started sailing against your life and all these things were happening that you would be sitting at this table. And I love her just as much as I love you. She means as much to me as you mean to me. And I needed to prepare you for this moment. And I hated those things. I didn't want you to feel that pain. I didn't want you to feel that struggle. But it was necessary to get you here. 
and 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 it's all perspective, and that's and it's hard. It is so hard. And as I said, even as I sit on this phone, it's a discipline. It's a daily journey. Um, it's something I don't know that we'll ever completely arrive at, but we just keep we just keep pushing forward, keep pushing forward till we get that perspective and saying, you know, this is God just framing me. That's all He is. Because there's a day coming where I'm going to have my Kesha moment or my Brad Paisley moment or my ludicrous moment or even Larry Gatlin's moments, you know, all these other moments that I've had, I wouldn't have had if God hadn't set me up through our story. Wow. Karen, finally, as, as we wrap up, uh, what would you say to that non-believer that is uh, right mm-hmm. on faith's edge uh, about to make that choice to believe or not to believe in God? I would say, why not? Why not give him a try? I I know as as a person who is, has been told by the world, I've done everything for you that I can. There's only one that could truly bring me through, and it was God. Um, I, I don't I don't know why you wouldn't give him a chance because the world will fail you. And I would I would say give it a shot, and I believe that God would prove Himself to be true. And every he, He's every answer to every question you have. Is uh, I, you know, my pastor says it, and this is what I'll say to them: We're not, we're not better people by being Christ followers, but we're better off. You know, we're still going to have struggles, we're still going to have problems, we're still going to have life's challenges. I'd much rather face those challenges with God on my side than not to have Him in my life at all. I don't think we can say anything more than that. Karen Hornsby, thank you so much for hanging out with us, with us today. Yes, An amazing story of, of triumph and faith and, and overcoming tragedy and success and just uh, an impact that you are making, uh, that God is making through you for his kingdom is just, just phenomenal. Thank you so much for hanging out with thank me today. You. Yes, my pleasure. My God. pleasure. Thank you for having me. God bless you, Karen. Take care. Karen's website is karenhornsby.com, and her album can be found at amazon.com as well as uh, uh, other Christian uh, music outlets, but uh, check out amazon.com. These links, as well as all other links, can be found in today's show notes at onfaithsedge.com slash 70. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 70. Well, that'll wrap up today's show. Thank you to Karen Hornsby for being with us today, and thank you for listening. You mean a lot to me and you mean a lot to this show. Remember, God is real. He loves you, and so do I. God bless. Thank you for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit onfaithsedge.com. You're important to us, and we would love to hear from you.